Marini's Media. Hello, and this is the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, it's been a big week for people called William. 18-year-old Scott Billy Gilmore performs a Fitbar masterclass on Merseyside for Chelsea, whilst Fort William have banned their so-called ultras unless their mammy and daddy want to come with them. In the Scottish Premiership, Hibs are back, Hibs in it. Happy Hamilton are singing the same old tune and Lee Griffiths bags his first hat-trick in almost four years. So surely he starts for Scotland against Israel. I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me in the studio this week is the man who has come up with the master plan for Scotland. More on that later, it's JJ Bull. Hello! And completing the front three, it's AFP's Kieran Canning. Ayo. <laughs> did you try and rhyme Canning earlier with... What do you mean earlier? AFP? I just did that live. Oh, no, that's right, yeah, sorry. It was all live. <laughs> One of your flawless... <laughs> <laughs> One of our flawless intros yeah. without interruption. I like it. Kieran, I'm going to jump to you, first of all, being the European supremo that you are. The actual reporter, journalist that he is. (laughs) You're a journalist. You're a straight-up journalist. He's a real journalist. Oh, fair enough, if you say so. (laughs) Um, Are you been keeping an eye on the whole coronavirus stuff going on and just halting sporting events across the globe? Yeah, it's kind of a very strange situation at the moment where it hasn't really, sporting-wise, it hasn't hit the UK yet. Mm. I imagine it probably is going to... a couple really? of weeks time You think it will start affecting I think events it, well, here? I mean, I'd, be, I'd be delighted if it didn't Because I think that means then we'd be okay But I fear that we're a bit behind the curve And not acting now as sure. not, I mean, For example, there was a, a meeting this morning With a lot with the government And so like people at the Premier League And rugby, cricket officials, etc And the idea is that at the moment There's no need to play games behind closed doors mm. I imagine we'll probably get to that point eventually and actually, for Scottish football, Neil Doncaster said uh, last week, who's the the chief executive of the the SPFL, that it could have quite dire financial consequences for Scottish football because for the Premier League or the Champions League, whatever, the, the playing games behind closed doors, whilst it isn't great, the TV money is, is so great that the the gate receipts don't actually impact on the clubs too much. Yeah. Whereas Scotland's one of the I think it's the the league in Europe that depends most on on gate receipts. So yeah. if you even if you have to get to the stage where you're playing games behind closed doors, that's going to have a real serious impact on the clubs going forward. If you look at the actual numbers of it. If you imagine, let's like, say, like Aberdeen, for example, were getting a ten thousand gate for, and there's three home games that they would miss. What's I mean, just just pulling really bad numbers at the air. Say it's thirty pound a ticket, ten thousand. That's three hundred thousand times three. You're close to a million pounds. You'd be missing out on just in revenue. Plus, there's other stuff that would come in off the back of it as well it's really and the uh, club's budget will be based on a low estimate yeah, of I mean, this the only the saving grace I mean there's far bigger issues than this to do with coronavirus I suppose is that because we're getting towards the end of the season even if they did have to play a few games behind closed doors it would possibly be like two or three per club which still, well, still significant you know it wouldn't be as disastrous as if it had fallen in the middle of the season and they could lose you know 10-12 games Yeah, this is affecting or potentially affecting games Closer to home for the likes of Rangers facing Bayer Leverkusen yep. this week. That could be get be played behind closed doors. The game in Glasgow. Well, I I don't think the game in Glasgow can be now because we're now Monday and the game's on, on Thursday. Sure, yeah, so sure. there's been no call for the game in Glasgow, so I think that'd be fine. But the game in Germany next week, there's very much a possibility it could be played behind closed doors. We're going to move on, and before we do, I will round up uh, what happened in midweek. 
because Hamilton stunned Rangers. Why is beating Rangers really that difficult anymore? Um, Hearts brought their A game to Easter Road because they bested rivals Hibs 3-1. Celtic needed an injury time equaliser to avoid defeat at Livingston, whilst Aberdeen came back from 2-0 down at home to Kilmarnock to get a draw. Motherwell beat Ross County 4-1, and there was a sexy stalemate between St Johnston and St Mirren. Can Waka 0-0, JJ, eh? You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. So let's let's talk about the weekend. Let's talk about Hamilton one, Kilmarnock nil. And we keep saying this: Hamilton will finish tenth. I think they're actually going to do it. They do this all the time. It's the first time they've won consecutive league matches. First against Rangers in midweek, and now Kilmarnock thanks to Martin Ogunpo's ninetieth minute penalty. And now Ogunpo with a chance from the spots, and he takes it. Marius Ogimpo, his seventh goal of the season. It's his second from the spots. And it may well prove vital at the end of the day for Rackies in their battle for survival. So lucky to come out of this with a win. It's unbelievable. Come on, it wasted so many chances, had almost all of the game. And they were up against 10 men. Yeah, the Mikhail last, Miller. Last 15 minutes. Yeah, Mikhail Miller with a second yellow card. The, the... Hamilton might be lucky, but they do it. Talking about you know, cancelling games for coronavirus, uh, Brian Rice had his uh, his wind meter out again. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He was, he was complaining of, complaining about the wind. What did once, he say? Once games off for the for the wind, so I mean, definitely season cancelled uh, <laughs> between the two. But then, yeah, this game, as JJ said, both Kilmarnock and Hamilton, I felt missed um, a number of laughably bad chances. Weird how many chances were yeah. created just from open play. Like, it's really odd amount of. Things popping about, uh, yeah, and the, and the penalty was a weird one as well. It just comes crashing through the back of the boy. It's true. It's Finley, also Ogunpo yeah. missed quite a lot of chances uh-huh. before the penalty, and then also did his best to miss the penalty. <laughs> but the keeper you know, gets uh, a good Brunescu, hand thought, to it and I, pushes it into the roof of that. Yeah, he looked gutted when he the goalkeeper he guessed the right way, but pushed it kind of up. But maybe I don't know. He just get enough behind it. But he had a really good save for um, Ogunpo earlier on when he took it on the chest and absolutely leathered a volley. Straight down the middle. Yeah. Just anywhere else apart from the middle of that goal and it was going in. But then, yeah, you're lucky, lucky with the penalty. What do you think about Kilmarnock? Because Alex Dyer, manager, until the end of the season, I believe, he's accusing of his team of just being unprofessional by going up against 10 men and not finishing the job. Is he right by saying that? Well, I mean, he he knows what he's talking about. He knows the players. Is unprofessional it's... a bit harsh a word? Maybe. I mean, there are a lot of chances that they should have scored. Mm. But... Better players take those chances. I don't know. Unprofessional seems kind of harsh. It interested me because Alex Dyer isn't the kind of manager to say something as strong as that. I mean, yeah. in his, his post-match um, interviews or press conferences in the past, I would say he's very quiet. He doesn't, you know, doesn't like to get involved in a lot of controversy. So from the go as strong as that, I found interesting. Is there then something bubbling under the surface that he's, he's not been happy about? And they really have like the, the run of form that they've been on. I mean, after beating Rangers, I, mean, I know you were joking earlier on about, you know, is it is it difficult to beat Rangers now? But to have that result, and then the four games since, they've lost uh, three and drawn one. Mm-hmm. But, and, and after the Rangers game, you thought like, they've got a real chance of making the top six here. Whereas, I mean, it's still possible. They're only only four points behind Hibs. But 
they've really blown a, a big opportunity uh, there. And they threw away a tuna lead against Aberdeen as well. Like they were so much better at the start of that game and then just caved in. Aberdeen came back into it and then Killy had the better of it straight after that once they were drawn again. It's a weird kind of performance. So there's a big there's a big question hanging over Kilmarnock really whether or not they stick or twist with Alex Dyer by the end of the season because you've got plenty of fans out there um, and I've got a few quotes here saying disappointing we have a manager miles out of his depth who's taking us nowhere but backwards time for the board to step up disappoint disappoint loads of disappointment and then someone saying um, was it a sacking Angelo that cost us the top six or replacing him with Alex Dyer the decision that cost us either way bravo board of directors really loose stat but and I can't remember exactly what it is but it, there's over like thousands of cases when you sack a manager halfway through the season there's a club net doesn't get a benefit like over the majority of cases it just doesn't make any positive difference what what was different to the norm in that case is that normally you get the immediate bounce yeah i know you were saying like over the longer term often it doesn't work out yeah i mean like it's like an economic look at it it's yeah. not yeah but Kamara didn't even get that. That that was the thing that, that struck me as being strange, that instead of just giving the job to Dyer until the end of the season right from the off, mm-hmm. they gave him an, a sort of interim period. He lost three games, mm-hmm. and then they still gave him the job. Now, was that that they couldn't get another candidate? You know, there was no one applied for the job or no one they thought they could get that they were interested in? Or were they were they just impressed by what he'd done, even though the results didn't, didn't go for them? I think... The fact that they, they did then appoint him but only put him in until the end of the season means that they'll obviously see it out with him until the end of the season and then they have the, the opportunity to, to reassess. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they go for someone he else. He wants security as well, knowing what his position is. So it might even just be one of those things where they give him this contract for the rest of the season so that the players know this is what you've got, this is what's happening, and it gives it a bit of stability. And I know we've talked about them possibly missing the top six, but given the, the start they had under Alessio, it wasn't so bad that they were ever going to be in relegation problems. Yeah. So, th- so yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a panic there to, to do something about it now. I mean, they've still got, got enough of a, a gap that they're not going to be, be pulled into that. Yeah. So. They just need better players. Regardless of whatever manager they've got in, they're not going to go anywhere without better players. Like, Clark did a great job. He's a very good manager. But the, the only reason they did so well is because they had those players like Jordan Jones and Greg Stewart doing really well for them parts of the season. But they don't a, have it now. A lot of those players were already there before Clark came in. And where fighting for survival and he so yeah, I, I don't think with Clark you saw the 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 benefit or the, the massive difference that a good manager can make so so we're unsure whether or not Alex Dyer will continue as commandant manager after the summer but it's a good job that Brian Rice has done for Hamilton right because they are back in 10th but they're not just out of the relegation fight yet looking at their upcoming fixtures before the split they have Ross County away Hibs at home St Johnston away again as well so do we think they will genuinely Avoid relegation, or will it go right down to the wire? It's going to be like that. Yeah, it's going to be like that for us this season. What is, what is how many points separates I mean, it? Twenty nine, ha- twenty three from eighth, from ninth to twelfth. Ultimately, are, ha- are Hamilton doing better because they know Hearts are doing better too? Well, I think that the, the team that I would worry for now, well, two teams that are St. Mirren and Ross County. Mm-hmm. I think what we've seen from from Hearts over the past few games, in terms of you would think eventually regressing to the, the mean in terms of the, the quality and the resources they've got available to them. And from Hamilton, the thing with Hamilton that I would say that you would you would put in their favour is we joke about they, they always finish 10th. They've been there before. They know there's not a panic for them to be in a relegation scrap. It's what's expected. I actually heard something on the radio the other day which I thought was quite interesting that they, they thrive at this stage of the season because the tension's on them a bit more. Mm. Like, 
this time of the season, people, especially the way the the top of the table's gone, more attention's on the bottom of the table and who's going to go down, and they're maybe a bit more in the limelight, and they they enjoy that. But they'll still the, the way Hamilton's are, they'll still have ups and downs between now and the end of the season. I mean, winning at Rangers, you wouldn't be surprised if they go next weekend and and lose at Ross County. Um, but just having that experience of of being down there over so many years, I think they make it out of it. Whereas Ross County are the ones that are really getting pulled into it now. Well, it's always quite interesting at the bottom of the table sometimes rather than the top of the table in Scottish football because Hamilton are up to 10th chasing down Ross County who lost to Rangers who lost to Hamilton so make sense of that Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for oh and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCumbleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. So Rangers needed a deflected shot to get three points at Ross County. Ryan Kent credited with the winner. Camberry from Morelos. Kent is wide. Foster and Mullen go across. Ryan Kent pulls the trigger. That's deflected! Well, it's not pretty, but it is effective. And Ryan Kent puts Rangers ahead with 13 minutes to play. A deflection of Foster took it away from Ross Laidlaw. But the headline out of here is the amount of injuries piling up for Steven Gerrard ahead of a big Europa League round of 16 tie with Bayer Leverkusen. Defoe is out again and there's outside chances that Ryan Jack and James Tavernier will be fit. There's a quote here from Steven Gerrard. Tav tried to train on Saturday on an injury that he came off the pitch with and he made it worse. So he is probably a bigger doubt than Ryan Jack. It's, it is a big game for Rangers but they've obviously got an even bigger game against Celtic on Sunday. There was a quote from Jose Mourinho in the Premier League where he said he was going to speak to his board as to whether or not the board want to prioritise European football or domestic football. What, where are Rangers in this? Do they, do they kind of put all their eggs in one basket or do they try and get the bragging rights? Is that more important? In any normal league where there wasn't some nuts like devotion to beating the arch rival, you'd have thought they'd just put everything into into Europa League because the, the money they get that comes in, the league's gone. There's no way they're getting that back off of Celtic. I can't see it happening now. Yeah, but then, I mean, what's more realistic, the winning the league or winning the Europa League? Exactly. Still, still winning the league. I don't know why you can't just focus. I mean, I get you want to focus, like, tailor your training towards one I knew this would be an interesting one. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know where they go with this because on the one hand, I agree that the, the league seems lost and they have to go and basically have to go and put everything into every game and, and see where they get I wasn't impressed with them I guess against Ross County I felt it was no, very it was an awful game it was very <laughs> similar like if anything because I'm a bit like JJ in this I like to analyse performances rather than results scoreboard journalism really annoys me because I feel like if you know if you're just going to look at the result then why bother watching the game you can watch see the result at the end and make your collisions <laughs> off the result I agree um, so I actually think Rangers played far better against Hamilton, created loads of chances, were a bit unfortunate. You know, a few, for example, they had one from Hadji deflects off uh, a Hamilton defender and hits the bar. 
Kent hits a shot, deflects and goes in. It's just that that sort of bit of luck went for them yesterday, which didn't go for them against Hamilton. My fear for them is what you're saying in terms of going ahead, that they've got these three game, really big games back to back to back. And whilst I think the style of the game might suit them better, they've really struggled in recent weeks with teams sitting in against them and having to, to break them down. We've seen in the European games and the the last two Celtic games in particular that when a team is a bit more open against them, they like that. Mm-hmm. Whether they've got the energy reserves to to play a really good Leverkusen team who are now in the top four in, in the Bundesliga on Thursday, go again against Celtic and then get up for it again the following Thursday, especially when you add in the sort of injury problems they've got and so many key players not being great form and Defoe being out wouldn't be such a big thing if Morelos was on was on form and he's not I think that's nine games he's not scored in now. yeah they've got real problems at uh, the back and Goldson Goldson and Edmondson who played very well in Braga and you know who knows it could be another situation like that but they've they've been giving away goals or yesterday giving away chances and being bailed out by by Al McGregor but I just think it's such a it's such a huge thing for them, the the game on, on Sunday against Celtic, just not to lose. I think even if they come out, with, to, to have any chance of winning the league, they need to win. But I feel like if they come out with a draw, then at least, you know, it's it's not embarrassing. I think that's, the, that for Gerard going forward, for Gerard to remain in the job, they need to come out of these next three games, even if they don't win, stemming the, the downward spiral a little bit and putting up a, a creditable display against Leverkusen and making sure they don't get beat by, by Celtic. Well, let's look at Ross County because I think it's fair to say they're back in the relegation conversation. They've only got two wins in 2020 against good opposition, Livingston and Aberdeen, but they have some really big games coming up. So they've got Hamilton at home, Hearts away and St Mirren at home. So if you ever need those points from teams around you, this is now, isn't it? Well, they're quite good at taking points or doing well against the big well the top six as you say I mean they beat Aberdeen recently mm-hmm. it's the thing with Ross County like we always say we're not really sure how good they really are they, they can get results out of people but they don't do anything specially and they've been good recently because Billy McKay's been in such good goal scoring form well they haven't been good because of that he's just helped them score the goals fair, the, fair. The, the thing with Ross County <laughs> is now I know you're saying maybe sometimes they're another team that, that like playing against the, the bigger sides but all of their game remaining fixtures are going to be against teams down there around about them because they play Hamilton twi- twice, once and after, once before and after the break. Same with St Mirren, same with with Hearts. So St Mirren's a danger because they're the ones that are underperforming, like their XG and that they're really, really under where they should be. And I just can't see anything else but St Mirren getting out of that hole. But the, then who else goes? The, th- the fear I would have for Ross County is is more at the back. Um, I mean, they did okay yesterday, but they've conceded sixty goals this season, which is you know. By quite a distance, it's the worst, the, the worst, worst defense, in, worst yeah. in the league. And as I say, just on the the form lines of of Hearts and Hamilton, I can easily see them getting caught in the weeks to come. Mm. Well, Rangers, as we said, have a tough week coming up, culminating in a big game against Celtic. But before we talk about that, let's discuss Celtic thrashing St Mirren. Five of the best from Celtic against St Mirren, a match that saw Lee Griffiths back to his best. Griffiths gets the head up, let's fly, there's the hat-trick, there it is, and Lee Griffiths celebrates. That was his first hat-trick in four years and is now giving Steve Clark some food for thought, according to Neil Lennon. McGregor and Edward were the other goal scorers here. I mean, Celtic kind of in piteous form, this was a kind of throwaway for St Mirren, I don't think they were going to expect too much 
it looked like they kind of set, tried to set up similar to Livingston, but how can you stop Celtic right now? Well, the concern for St Mirren, I would be, I would say, is that they've not taken many thrashings this season. I mean, even mm. when they played away at Celtic and Rangers, it was 2-0 the last time they went to Celtic Park. I think it was 1-0 at Ibrox at the start of January. So, yeah, they're a team that don't tend to score many goals, but at least so far this season hadn't conceded that many either. So that's a bit concerning in the way that they, they collapsed. And they didn't... Celtic were good, but they didn't really seem to make Celtic work very hard for the goals. Like, the second... Griffith's second goal was very well worked. But his first one, Edwards one, you know, given the, the time and space inside the box, yeah, I know going to Celtic Park, they probably weren't expecting to to get any points but to take a, a 5-0 drubbing is is tough and now it really is a, a huge week for them because of this game against Hearts coming up on Wednesday that was cancelled from a couple of weeks ago due to the, the storm and because of Hamilton's form they now find themselves in the in the relegation playoff place so they really need to start picking up some points Yeah and they've also got Kilmarnock and Rangers in their in their next four games and it's goals that they're struggling to find and I know they've brought in this striker uh, Saferdin Chabby, who Jim Goodwin keeps keep saying, you know, he's got good pedigree, good goal scoring um, background, and he's only kind of just started playing football. But the thing is, St. Mirren got the worst goals uh, records in the, in the division, but it is hard up against Celtic. And speaking about goal scorers, Lee Griffiths, JJ, he has to start for Scotland. It, do you think Steve Clark might not go for him because he's not been in the in the team for so long? Well, you got to work. I mean, Again, you have to remember this. Like, it's not just an injury; it's mental health. You've got to be really careful with him. He maybe doesn't want to handle that jump up straight away. He has to be comfortable with it. I don't think Clark could risk it because uh, he was out to... for so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I genuinely don't think. I, I mean, an incredible um, recovery from him. I don't think that's a consideration in terms of the the Scotland situation because he's been back playing for Celtic and is a high pressure environment. Oh yeah, no. For... I, I only meant like I'm sure Clark would ask him. Be like, are you comfortable doing this? And yeah, I think it's more how he wants to approach the game because I think Griffiths has played well playing alongside Edwards. Unfortunately, Scotland don't have a striker of uh, Hudson Edwards' caliber. But um, have you seen Ollie Burke? Well, but I was I was about to say it depends whether he plays. He goes for like one. Imagine we're going to play one up top because we have a million brilliant midfielders. Because that is football law and. <laughs> very few strikers so to play two up top doesn't really make much sense in which case does he go for a McBurney type I know Scotland fans don't particularly like him but no, you've got to play, play Griffiths don't you sure, like, like, he can hold up play he gets in the little pockets he can he can press from the front he's not as good as others but he's also just at loan for free kicks things like that just that, that. I would say that's a major thing that was actually one of the things that came up in the, the Celtic game against Copenhagen the fact that he didn't start isn't just what he offers you from open play but Celtic have been far more dangerous from set pieces since he's came back into the team because of his delivery, delivery from free kicks and corners. What about what about um, next Sunday? Celtic against Rangers. I could see this. <laughs> you, ha- you can't see this, but JJ literally just went limp everywhere. He could not give a flying monkeys. <laughs> so, Kieran, I'll watch give it. me my answer. I could easily see Celtic winning. I could easily see Rangers winning. I could easily see it being a draw. And with uh, that, we shall move on. No, I watched that game if they had a real referee in, like a proper referee who would referee as a real game and not manage the event. Then mean, I would watch you it. You mean you want VAR? Three, a, three red cards in the opening 15 minutes type. I would take, take a boy in from like France, really, put them in the middle of that pitch. and then Why? 
just to see what <laughs> I'd love why? to see what what fouls we're giving and what wouldn't. It'd why can't why can't Scottish referees just because they they're not doing a good enough job? Because they treat it like some mythical like magical <laughs> event that lives outside the rules of normal football. It's great. Wow! It, at one point, it's great advert for Scottish football because people want to watch it and it's amazing. At other point, I hate how everyone like around me in, in England is that like, only wants to watch Rangers v Celtic. That there are other teams. And a, a slightly tangential point, right? <laughs> But Ooh, going back to, we're coming to Glasgow live soon, by the way. Boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, a Celtic related point, I mean, Edward is probably going to win Player of the Year, but Callum McGregor has been uh, like outstanding recently. Uh, yeah, scored yeah, again yeah. at the weekend, yeah. albeit from a pen- from uh, from a penalty. But something that's really annoyed me in the past uh, forty eight hours is Billy Gilmore's emergence. Like great great news for Scottish football is hopefully going to be a great player but the number of my English colleagues going oh Gilmore a midfielder Gilmore McTominay and McGinn like that'll be tasty yeah, because know. you know you can only possibly pick players that play in the Premiership yeah, yeah. I know it's or just, Premier League sorry. it makes me sick but anyway that's enough City rivalry done um, we've still got the Edinburgh side to discuss plus we welcome back friend of the show Laura Brannan to talk about her documentary on David Turnbull we have a very important date for everyone's diaries, don't we? We sure do, because <laughs> the podcast we're listening to is going to be live in a in a, a venue. If we say that now, I hope it is. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, for now, the plan is we are coming up 24th, 25th of March, and the 24th we're going to be in the Glasgow Glee Club, which I think is next to the Queen Street Station, someone was telling me. And then we're going to your wonderful hometown of Aberdeen the following night. Well, Aberdeenshire is my hometown, Slavin. But uh, yes, Aberdeen, <laughs> we're playing Lemon Tree. But the Lemon Tree is pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great venue. And we're playing upstairs, isn't it? And um, yeah, there's. We, I mean, we're, we've been selling tickets, but there are tickets left. So get some. It'll be really good fun. Get get some. But more importantly, not for us, to come and see Gordon Strachan. Oh, yeah, that's the real pool. Sorry, that's, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the real reason you want to come and see us. And you, if you want to get tickets, you can find them pretty easily like JJ always says Google it or you could go to the totallyfootballshow.com forward slash events and um, I-, I can't wait Hearts won Motherwell won the Edinburgh side couldn't build on their midweek win over Hibs as they remain bottom of the table despite not losing this week that sucks Motherwell meanwhile keep themselves in pole position to finish third with a point it must be pretty frustrating for Daniel Stendhal, even though he's probably saying, guys, you just have to keep on going. Aye, but they look much better, Hearts. They, they do look better. They look better. And I really think the game would have been, this is obvious because it would be different, but it would be so much different if they hadn't let in that stupid goal. Like, I mean, by play, Against Motherwell, or? Yeah, because I mean, they want to press high to make the ball get cleared, and then they, they play a high defensive line because of it, and then because they want to play out from the back, that's how you get mistakes like that, they get punished. But, it, but it, was, it, it was a bit of a lack of concentration from Craig Halkett, wasn't it? Aye, but it, that's the thing. It, and then it, it was a happen. good finish from Chris Long. A better player doesn't do it. He probably won't do that again. But um, this is the thing that you get teething problems when you're big in a new style like this, the kind of style of play that players like Craig Halkett, I doubt, would have played very much. I agree with all that, and you would still expect them to go out with it, right? Out of it with <laughs> nine games to go. Yeah. But we've said this how many times I this know. season, right? And it's now down to nine games to go, and they've won four games of twenty nine, and they so they really need to start. 
Yeah. I know it's, I know it's groundbreaking. They really need to start winning some football matches. Yeah, yeah and not just against Rangers or, or Hibs. Yeah. <laughs> the table's so weird because it's been like this for ages. Like when they were, I think they were level on points with whoever's in the eleventh at the time, or maybe it was like one point behind. And it seems so close. But when it's three points, it seems massive. And it's like the, the gap to get out of the relegation is four. They've got a game in hand, right? So they're going to play. Uh, Saint Saint That's the thing. If they lose to Saint Mirren then all of a sudden they re- like you really are starting to consider will they go down. And it's that, fair to say Daniel Stendhal's right in saying this is a game they must not lose. I thought we were going to say this is a real six-pointer. Uh, relegation <laughs> six-pointer. <laughs> I just, I can't believe they go down. They're too, they've got too many good players. Well, the thing is, you, yeah, you've got, you've got Stephen Naismith, you've got Liam Boyce, who has shown his quality down in England. Craig Halkett, despite got, the mistake. Craig Halkett, who was one of the best defenders in the division last season. Yeah, Slamal yeah. is actually a much better goalkeeper than Pereira, so at least they've, they've solved that issue for now. You reckon? Yeah, like, why well, did it... But that's a comparison. It's not saying, you know, I'm not saying Bobby Slamal is the next Alison Becker, right? But <laughs> by comparison to, uh, he's not, as the, how the Spanish describe, a transparent goalkeeper like uh, Pereira. But also, like, as much as Hearts four wins this season, two away, two at home, they are only at home once before the split. So after St Mirren, they then go to Livingston, who are just so good at home. Then they've got Ross County back at Tyne Castle, and then it's Aberdeen up at Pataudry. They'll get they'll take points of Aberdeen. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not going to be pessimistic. It's just uh, Aberdeen are doing are playing really weird just now. They're in a really bad form. They're getting points out off out of teams, but they're not playing well. And Hearts. Are playing well, but not getting the, are getting the well, rewards. They are getting some results, but it's just that thing of. I thought again, I've said various times that they need to string like two results together because they've had a lot of times sure. where they've had one big win, and I thought that they'd done that by obviously beating Rangers in the cup, and then they go to East Road and win. And you think if they roll into this, like if they won this game, then you really think right they're on a they're on a roll and they're they're going to do it. But yeah, it's just it's whether they'll they'll be able to to maintain that consistency and also. Although they've been under pressure a lot this season, if it goes down to the last like three or four games, as much as Tynecastle could be a, an advantage in that situation because it's it's one of the, the few grounds for the teams down at the bottom that has a real intimidating atmosphere. If it gets really nervy, then sometimes you're playing at home in those, in those situations. It isn't isn't advantage at all. But you also need to hope that Stendhal keeps on this kind of trend of trying to change things. So at half time, he took off midfielder Bazanic and brought on Liam Boyce. So that's him got Washington, three strikers on the pitch trying to chase the game. Yeah, that's one though, But yeah. it doesn't yeah, always course, work. But it's one of the things that I, I really dislike about manager substitutions when they're behind in the game. I can understand that if it's, if it's a, a very much informational change, informational change and yeah, but see this idea that when you're 1-0, like Gerard did it against Hamilton, like just started taking off midfielders and defenders and throwing on strikers. <laughs> it's like, who's going to create the chances if you sorry we all have like four guys you know standing my, up the top of the pitch my favourite example of this ever was a, a Man City title win when they put Nigel de Jong on that's how they that's how they ended up winning it they put a defensive midfielder and everyone goes oh what's he playing at but that's what you need it's all the <laughs> I remember covering a, a Madrid derby and uh, Real Madrid were losing to Atletico and the Ancelotti's first two subs they changed the two, full, two fullbacks to, to like more attacking fullbacks it like completely changed the game I imagine Ancelotti in Scotland he just <laughs> he could get Killy finishing top well uh, from Atletico Madrid 
to Motherwell. There's one thing Aww. that we should definitely um, just reference is that John Souter's now at the rest of the season with an Achilles injury, and I really worry for like where his career goes from now. That like, he's been just buggered by injuries for quite a while. That's now. his second of the season, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was Achilles last time, was it? Was it uh, last season they had an Achilles? It was Achilles, yeah. They're bad, they can re- reoccur. But the problem is, the more time you have out and he's getting to the stage where he's not young anymore, he's going to mm. be in his mid, and then you lose all, all that momentum. You see it when players go to a different club when they're younger and then they don't get in the team and they just end up drifting away down, that, down the leagues. And I hope that Suter can come back and I wonder if he'll ever reach his potential now. I don't know. Like write him off on a podcast that people can listen to because yeah, sure. sure he can come back and whatever and I really like him as a player but it must be a real concern that he's got that now that's a whole season gone he won't be back until oh geez, like a little bit in the well, f- next season it's a concern for Hearts as well because they've only gone and papped off Christoph Berra to Dundee so they're they're light at the back stick him on just an alright and stick him in he did do very well yeah. man of the match in fact anyway uh, for Motherwell a point doesn't help their case for third too much but this week they've just released a documentary on David Turnbull's return from injury. Turnbull you remember was due to sign for Celtic in the summer but an unforeseen problem with his knee and his medical brought the move to a halt. The documentary charts Turnbull's season so far from learning he needed surgery to how the whole process works to him coming back on the pitch at the end of February. Fortunately for us the brains behind the video is our good friend of the show Laura Brannan and she on the other side of this cool sting Laura thanks for joining us welcome back first of all hello how are you we're all well we're you all remember well, JJ yes. have you ever met Kieran how could I forget I have, yeah. I have oh, met Kieran so yeah. we have so we have well welcome back and it's good to ha- a good time to have you back because we've all seen your wonderful documentary about Mr Turnbull and um, just tell us how difficult a job was it? How big a, the the job was for you? And um, what gave you the idea to even go for something so ambitious? Yeah, well, it's been um, kind of eight months in the making now, um, and then it was eight crazy weeks of edits and post production and everything. So it's been my life the last kind of few days before it came out. Uh, so yeah, happy how it all came together. Very happy with the response it's got so far. So we wanted to show that at the end of his journey, he was mentally ready. He was physically ready to come back and be that player that everyone had really talked him up to be this time last year. And we've got we're, we're lucky at Motherwell because everyone kind of behind the scenes trusts the media team in terms of access um, and output. So we just kind of wanted to make the most of it really and do something that. It hasn't really been done in Scottish football before and really kind of get his name out there and get it noticed. You guys do a lot of really, really cool stuff and really fun stuff. And the, the, the whole thing is that this is one of the most exciting young talents that's come out of Motherwell for, for a short while. You know, Young Player of the Year in yeah. Scotland. Um, the cool thing for me is that uh, like having an actual decent media team at a club like Motherwell, like what, what you've done there with that video... I would like it if all the different clubs in Scotland had something like that, but it tends to be what you get is I mean, the most media savvy is heavily biased uh, commentary. Sure, yeah, but it's, well, not, it's also you get what you, you pay for as well. In a way, the, the, the time and the money that goes into the the Motherwell sort of social media output, like mm-hmm. it's quite obvious to see when you see like the things they put out, like the the stuff around like the League Cup final last last year or two years ago. The yeah the signing videos and stuff yeah that you guys do yeah you know, is is much more innovative and much more in line with what like 
clubs that much bigger clubs with bigger budgets than than Motherwell. Yeah, how how much like do you get loads of creative freedom at Motherwell? Do you get like a lot of financial support as well to kind of go off and do what you kind of want to do? I'd love to say that I had all the financial support, but it's <laughs> such a small such a small club like Motherwell. It's not really about Sure. It's not about budgets and everything. It's about we've got a team of three in the media department. Um, we're very small, but it's luckily a talented team of three and we're all dedicated to it. So it means that when we do want to do something that's a wee bit out of the ordinary, then it's all hands on deck. Um, everyone's kind of given us the freedom to do it. Yeah. Everyone has confidence in us. So it means that we're not just kind of doing the same mundane stuff as everyone else. We're thinking outside the box, being a wee bit more creative. Because the whole thing is we want be eye-catching we want to stand out in and not just scottish football but like world football really we want to be that that team that that does cool content and everything so so far it's been good and i think this just kind of is another thing that make us, makes us stand out and i don't want to make that sound like i'm bragging or anything like that but as jj saying it's, it's it's nice that there are the possibility to do that and i mean I, look it's great that we can do it motherwell but um, i agree if it, every club in scotland could do it it would be amazing as well did you approach david first or was it just through conversations with him it kind of sparked that idea of you know let's follow you then let's do it was he really up for it yeah. what was his input in the whole piece and did, was he happy yeah, with I mean, the outcome oh he was he was he was very happy with it we had a big sit down the day before it got released and we showed it to him and he was he was chuffed to bits with it <laughs> thankfully right mr an absolute dream in that sense to work with I've, I've worked with players with egos and, and clubs that have restrictions and everything like that and you don't get a lot of freedom before so it was nice that as I say with Motherwell you've got that sort of like um, confidence and trust behind the scenes I think it for a wee bit of reluctance of oh do you, do you is this a good idea should you follow me and everything are we going to show too much here but um, as I say the trust was there he was all for it right from the start we went down to London with a couple times free scans and I mean we're, we're filming everything we're filming all like he's um he's like private medical information and and he's still trusting us he's saying no look it's fine because you'll make a call at the end of it with what's right and what's wrong to use and we, we run it past everyone before it gets released anyway so he was great he was so laid back about it all even when it comes to him watching games from the stands he was sitting there and we'd go mm. and we have a camera in front of him and, yeah. and I, that's quite that for a young boy that could be intimidating mm-hmm. and he, he just got on with it he wasn't making eye contact with camera he was sitting watching the game as normal he'd have a wee laugh with us and stuff but he was so used to me just texting him and saying like what are you doing today do you mind if we come around can, you come, can we come with you and he'd be like yeah sure that's fine. Oh, that's and it was awesome. Great. That's awesome. So, what about Motherwell's season? You know, it's we're coming, we're approaching the split, and it's getting pretty tight between Motherwell and Aberdeen. And you've got Aberdeen on Friday, pretty huge one. This, how many times are you going to be texting JJ and winding him up? <laughs> I will not be texting JJ at all until after the game because I don't want it to come back and bite me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> what well, do you think? Yeah, both those teams will try their hardest to lose it anyway. They, they're both just playing so <laughs> weirdly just now. Yeah, the way things are going, it's like, who, who wants the least? So <laughs> what you, I know. How, how exciting would it be for Motherwell to be back in Europe? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a massive one. What's, um, ever, what's everyone incredible. saying? What's the feeling? Like, Is there a real kind of, you know, uh, kind of war cry to kind of just, you know, come on, let's let's get to Europe? Yeah, I think now that, um, well, top six got confirmed at the weekend, uh, mathematically. I know for a while now it's looked like it would be top six. I think now it's kind of cemented um, that it is now impossible to slip out of that. It, it turns into what the next game. It has to be going for third because we've been sitting in this position for so long now. 
anything less would kind of just kind of feel disappointed at the end of it. The fans want it, the players are so determined for it, the coaches are talking about it. It's just that it's what we're all focusing on now. And it would just would be amazing, especially for my first season at the club's personal perspective. Mm. To end it with that sort of achievement, it would be incredible. Laura Brannan, senior producer at Motherwell. Two matches to go then. And first up, Aberdeen continue to pile the pressure on Motherwell with this 3-1 win over Hibs, who have had their own tough week after back-to-back defeats. Hibs took the lead here, but then Stephen Whitaker's second yellow turned the game on its head. And to quote Derek McInnes, Aberdeen manager... They smelled blood. He said this twice in his post-match interview. It's almost like he really enjoyed saying it. But it's like when you get a phrase stuck in your head and you suddenly hear it. Everyone knows that phenomenon when you hear, a, you find a new word and you hear it everywhere. Yeah. Maybe that's just in his, in his vocabulary. It's part of his lexicon this, this week. Well, I also like the image of like the Curtis Main and Andrew Constein being like <laughs> cavemen. Just like literally yeah. smelling blood. Curtis, cave, f- Curtis Caveman. That's, that's how he feeds them around the, yeah. the training ground. Wow. Uh, Stephen Whitaker was at it here. Like he was trying to get sent off the well, whole game. Like, the thing is, as well, because you, you even had on Sports Scene last night, you know, Marvin Bartley, who seems to know Stephen really, really well from his time at Hibs. It's unlike him. And he seems always like a quite composed player. He, it doesn't it look like the... he has much malice in him. No, no, I don't but think it's, it's... <laughs> I mean, they're really stupid tackles. But it's all on Lewis Ferguson as well. It's like he's even been told to, to man Mark Ferguson because he's the only one that makes stuff happen for Aberdeen just now. He's been their best player by a mile. What do you make of suggestions that uh, Rangers might be? Oh, he. I mean, he will end up at Rangers at some point and he will make them really good. He's the kind of winner that Rangers need. He's... There's heritage there with the Ferguson Absolutely. family as well. And I, I mean, he, He's I the get... nephew of Barry Ferguson? Yeah, son of... Well, Derek, Derek Ferguson's his dad. Son of Derek. Yeah, but regardless of Blair, Blair uh, Lewis, Lewis Ferguson's been amazing. Stephen Whittaker kept kicking him. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, he was sent off. Aberdeen were absolutely awful... In the, the first half of this, yeah. I couldn't believe how bad it was. It's they keep starting games really, really slow. Went two 0 down to Kilmarnock as well, and it's um, getting the point. I don't know what the players are doing or what the management are doing to not get anything out of these players. There's money being spent now. They've got this new training ground, which I mean, whether or not that's been a difference, I've been told that maybe there's a bit of complacency crept in because now there's no. They might have missed this sort of camaraderie that they had going about in an old rusty bucket of a bus between here and there. You know, that kind of hour yeah, in it yeah, together yeah. type feeling. And now something they're turning up to, effectively, like a leisure centre. So that might have taken a bit of a grit out of them. But that but, would be madness, though, because they're professional footballers. I mean, I mean, They'd all be used to that from previous clubs they've been at. Maybe, but it'll come good eventually as well. Just that, that little change, psychological, might have changed something that you can't really put your finger on. But it's such Sunday league football, some of it. Like, the... Everyone, there's a couple of weeks ago we were talking about. I really like how much players are getting forward, how they're getting overloads, and they're doing all this sort of stuff. Right back to the very basics again. Playing this three man defence, Scott McKenna's missing, so it kind of makes sense. You're playing um, Shane Logan's get played in, in defence, and you've got Matty Kennedy at left mid, and it's all right, but there's no passing through lines, it's all getting pumped up to the top, and then just getting knocked back. Even like a short 20 yard pass, a lot of clubs would make. A lot of teams would make a short, like a 20 yard pass, play through the lines, turn and go. Instead, it's getting knocked long to get headed back to get the ball in the same position they would have had it if they just passed it along the ground. Do you know what I mean? Do, do you think it's a worry then for Aberdeen fans when they come up against Motherwell on Friday who look like they've got real structure, it depends know, on what their, know what their roles are? But but the thing is, like... But Motherwell got done when they played their nice football and then they beat Aberdeen when they made it a little bit less like that. And it, both teams... Aberdeen are far, far the dirtier team to watch. 
They're like they're like getting a horrible takeaway. It's like getting fried chicken from these shops. Like, oh god, it's not as disgusting, but I'm gonna uh, have it anyway. Whereas Motherwell <laughs> are uh, ordering a pizza that you know is less bad. I don't know what I'm saying here. They're both they're both trying very hard to lose games at the moment, and it's uh, I can't call the game at all. But I do think I've said this before. Aberdeen need a new. I think they need a new attacking coach. They need someone to come in and change the way they build play especially approach play. Build up and approach is where they are awful. In the middle of the park, they're good at smashing the ball away and doing that, but it's all about the approach play and like positioning and shape in the final third especially. Are they missing that kind of... It's Barry Robson. He's in a, he's, he should get promoted from... Apparently the football his under-18 team play is great. Interesting. And they're doing really well. They might even be able to qualify for Champions League. Interesting. Playing nice football and a team of winners. There are some good young players coming through as well. How much of a blow is this for a Hibs? Obviously... They want to finish in the in the top six, but they were without Mark McNulty after his you know pretty yeah stupid stamp on Sean Clare during the Edinburgh derby. He's going to miss a a further game um, against St Johnston. But you know when you look at Christian Doyle, he certainly looks now like a striker who, if he stays in the summer can thrive at Hibs because that, that's his 18th goal of the season right it's now. confidence though, right? And he took, yeah, but he took his goal really well from an acute but, angle. But you do, when you have confidence, you, I mean, looking, for example, like in England, Raheem Sterling was scoring loads of goals early in the season and then he lost, um, he got confidence from that, got really good, everyone thinks he's amazing and then he starts missing them and everyone is like, oh, what's happened to him? Same as Doidge, like, he's doing really well just now and we'll see who gets on with that. But, Hibs, but, Hibs, I think next season is Hibs' season. Uh, this year there's just been too much change too much of a bit of a drama going on and I reckon we'll really see Jack Ross be able to do more with them Jack Ross next season with this team <laughs> John James Ross yeah I think the next week is actually quite big for John James Ross I think <laughs> so I think if they blow the top six which they could easily do because in their their final three they're threes, only a point ahead of St. Johnson yeah, who yeah. have a game in hand which mm. is at Ibrox so difficult but maybe not as impossible as you know a few months ago um, and they play St. Johnston this weekend and then they play Hamilton and Celtic and before the split so Hamilton away who are fighting for their lives and Celtic who are you know going towards the title so there is the possibility for them to mess up the top six and then if they lost the, the semi-finals of Hearts I think there's a lot of fans that maybe not start to turn on them already but they wouldn't they wouldn't be happy to, to lose twice in a row to this Hearts would be a big blow for Hibs manager. Well, it's probably because it, it, it's felt like that positive vibe has been starting to ebb into the side. And then it's just been knocked back off them again. So it's very difficult to understand, you know, what they are yet. And I, I tend to agree with you, JJ. I think, you know, they kind of want to scrub this season out of the way. Uh, even, even the, even the recruitment since uh, uh, Jack Ross has been there, he's brought in a lot of players that were there last season because they just knew they could get a job done. I think they just want to get through the season and finish as well as they can. And next season, you'll see he's got his pre-season. He's going to have a bit of time to bring in players that he knows can play the way he wants. But I mean, there are still plenty of fun to play for this season. I don't think it's, it's, it's too easy when you get to this stage of season uh, to write it off. But I mean, Hibs should get to a cup final. Yeah, they are sixth in the league and Hearts are bottom. So, yeah, really good point actually. And if they get to the cup final, then at some point, you know, Celtic's run will end. Not against Aberdeen. But you never know when the final. <laughs> Celtic will win the cup. It's done. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Still plenty to play for for Hibs. But one more match to talk about. And St Johnston is where we're going. And they refuse to lose nowadays. They've refuse only lost. Refuse to lose. Thank you very much. I like it. They've only lost twice since December, incredibly. And both were against Celtic, which is 
fair play. Um, Livingston bemoaned the pitch conditions, but it was St Johnston who took full advantage. Callum Hendry putting the hosts ahead with less than 10 minutes remaining. Callum Hendry, which is Colin Hendry's son, as you can remember from last week, JJ. You were surprised at that. Yes, and I had forgotten it since then. <laughs> so I'm surprised again. Did Johnson match Livingston's shape here, which might be the answer to beating Livingston? If you match them, you can maybe, I don't know what that does to it really, apart from, I mean, their width comes from uh, fullbacks. If you can match them, you can dispatch or wingbacks. them. wingbacks, yeah. But that's their goal. I really love how hard that cross in the box, like volleyed into the box and then smashed in. I love those. The, the key to beating Livingston is just get them on grass. Yeah, I think they've won three of the last like thirty-four games on grass or something. They like that. have won two games on grass you in mean two the years. Not sneak yeah. it into their their pre-match. Uh... But that's the thing because I mean, even even a lot of the games have won like they beat Hamilton away and stuff like that on on other uh, on other plastic pitches. So that's very obviously the way to. And for example, the game against Celtic was was perfect for them because they the the way they set up was easy to well, easy but to frustrate um, Celtic and and play in that very sort of narrow difficult compact um, way that they do. I mean that's not taking anything away from them. They've had a, a magnificent season, but the the difference between their their home and rec- home and away record is kind of there for all to see. Is there the opportunity for Steve Clark? I know we're going to talk about Scotland in a little while, yeah. but Lyndon Dykes. Should he be called? Oh, up for stop at this! <laughs> I'm only bringing this up because Rennie Mullenstein, part of the coaching team in Australia, has been in the country, so yeah. he must have been speaking to London. Must have been. Maybe, but why does that? No, <laughs> you don't think he's going to get called up for Australia then? Yeah, but we have better players in Australia by quite. Yeah, strikers. One country I can safely say that we are better. Sorry, neutral Scotland are better than Australia. Fair it is, aren't they? Well, they've been to more World Cups than those recently, but that's due to the <laughs> qualification system. Well, exactly, yeah. We had a World Cup qualification group with countries that Australia play. I can't name any, so this is redundant. Well, they either play in the Asian Confederation. They mm. they they changed... Well, the thing is, Australia changed the governing body that they belong to to make it easier to qualify for the World Cup. Why so, can't we do that? Exactly. We need to do. And it even sounds cooler as well, Asian Confederation. So, yeah. Us versus Shetland. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Shetland gets independence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have to happen first. And we're against them and the Pharaohs, and that's us. <laughs> well, with that taken care of, let's speak to our good friend Lee Price at Paddy Power. Hi, Lee. Let's start with Hamilton. Back to back wins, which is kind of unbelievable to say right now. But has that affected your market? Who's going to finish bottom of the Scottish Premiership? <laughs> I can't believe you said that either. Hampton are still favourites, but their recent form has blown this market wide open. They're eleven to ten to finish bottom, narrowly ahead of St Mirren at nine to four. Hearts picked up points recently, but then again, so has everyone else, and they're seven to two to bottom the table. Ross County, by the way, are only two points above Hamilton at the minute, but they're a lengthy seven to one to finish last. All of those prices, of course, could change dramatically over the next two weeks. We've got a six-point on Wednesday night, another one this weekend, and then another one next weekend. It's going to be absolutely fascinating down there. Rangers are all we talk about at the moment, probably too much, in fact, but they're in Europa League action on Thursday. What are the odds that they could muster something up here at Ibrox against Bayer Leverkusen? 
Yeah, perhaps unsurprisingly, Rangers' popularity with our punters and traders alike is sliding at the minute. We make Leverkusen the favourites not only to qualify, but also to win at Ibrox on Thursday. The informed Germans are 11-10 to to win in Glasgow and 1-4 to to progress to the next round. For Rangers, this is all that's left of the season, really, so don't write them off just yet. They're 9-4 to to win on Thursday and 14-5 to to go through. And speaking of Rangers, they come up against their old foes Celtic again at Ibrox. What are the odds that Rangers can pull off back-to-back wins against them? This is probably a frankly astonishing admission to make, but I barely knew there was an old firm game coming up this weekend. And that's the first time that's been true since Rangers got back into the top flight. At this stage, there's really not a lot on the line here but pride. Which is perhaps why we're sitting on the fence a bit here and could potentially expect a good game. Celtic are the narrowest of favourites at six to four, but Rangers are hardly ruled out at seventeen to ten. The draw is nine to four and probably suits everyone to an extent, so that's why I like that as the bet here. Lee Price from Paddy Power. Let's talk about some national teams. Because amazingly, Scotland women have won the Pinatar Cup which is doubly impressive given they have a game to play. Wins over Ukraine and Iceland were enough to give the side an unassailable lead at the top of the table and give Shelley Kerr's side a great start to the year. It's absolutely brilliant. And congratulations to them. Uh, they play Northern Ireland, by the way, on Tuesday. I actually did an interview this week on uh, speaking of the women's football with people at Glasgow City because in a couple of weeks' time they're playing the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yes. And when you look at the other teams in that quarter, in those quarterfinals, it's like PSG, Arsenal, Bayern, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Glasgow City play Wolfsburg. Basically, all major European clubs funded largely by the yeah. men's teams, which gives them greater resources. So, what Glasgow City continue to do is extraordinary. I agree. Yes. I think it's well, um, Scott yeah. Booth, the manager there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, let me talk to Rachel Corsi last week, wasn't it? Oh, that was great. Before. Yeah, it was great. A couple of weeks ago, Rachel Corsi was awesome, and so it's just, it's just, it just seems to have been that kind of. It's good for them to win this competition after what happened in that World Cup. It just gives them that fresh impetus to be confident again. Mm. What about the men, JJ? Because you've got the perfect team for Steve Clark. You're a better manager than Steve Clark. No, he's a very good manager. He is, a and I am a buffoon who did a coaching course. <laughs> Uh, the so, one you don't even have to do an exam no for. No arguments over here. Uh, <laughs> continue. So this is the team you put out, JJ, although you've missed a goalkeeper. But it is Robertson, Tierney and Hickey on the left. Yeah, and I would change uh, Hickey for constant now. <laughs> Fair days. Yeah. Uh, and then a midfield of Billy Gilmore, uh, McTominay, McGinn, McGregor and Christie with Forrest as the attacking right Med. It's very balanced. <laughs> he offers an attacking threat on the right. Yeah. And uh, forces play to the left. Lots of diagonal balls from left to right? No, it's just passing the midfield. All oh, right, yeah. It's a giant rondo. That's what it is. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Constantine playing centre back for Scotland against Israel? I mean, I don't think it would be good, but I don't think there are any other options. What are the options? Halkett? Devlin? Cooper? Finley? Devlin's not, not it. <laughs> He's Devlin's played there before, time, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't play him either. I'd play Cooper, Liam Cooper, Declan yeah. Gallagher, Hanley. I think you'll go like Cooper and Hanley. It'd be Hanley and Cooper, yeah. But Considine, come on now. Why not Declan Gallagher? Because Considine's playing the best football he's ever played. He's like 33 now. I think he's he's genuinely really, really good. He's very slow. 
So he's maybe not that good. a wide angle shot of see the goal that Ayer scored at Pataudry and he's like trying to chase him back. It's one of the funniest things I've seen all season. Was it like point five? He's about like forty yards behind, just like most out his backside. Most importantly, and it's been picked up so much in recent weeks. What sort of impact? Part. Mm-hmm. What sort of impact could Billy Gilmore make? Is uh, this a sensible uh, option for Steve Clark he's to bring in? I don't agree that he should be in the 21s, but he is going to be playing for the under 21s. So. We did get a question sent in to us from FPL Doctor um, asking thoughts on Billy Gilmore and reports that Chelsea will buy a feeder club in Scotland. That Do you know is anything reported about this? by a certain paper that. I'm not <laughs> I wouldn't give much credit to Yeah <laughs> Fair dues Yeah that I don't think that story's even Up there anymore yeah, I, I think know. if you look for that story From that paper It isn't there anymore There's a reason that other papers Haven't done that story yet Is what I would <laughs> I would tend to say You'll find that a lot of If a story like that comes out uh, You'll tend to find that If it's if there's any legs to it Other papers will do it too And mm. you'll often see this sometimes in um, and say, this, say this confidently Having seen it at the Telegraph a lot Is that Lots of media outlets will break a story and we won't break it because our reporter just can't verify it. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, like, I mean, a lot of people want to be first. That's the best to be first. But it's better to be correct first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? As the like, actual pro-journalist, Kieran yeah. would agree. No, like yeah. the, the increasing problem with journalism is that being first is becoming more important than being correct yeah. for some outlets. And it's different. Like, Kieran's a reporter, whereas I'm basically an analyst, I think, is a different... So like you'll find this sort of thing all the time, and yeah, I'm. It's not. I don't agree with that story. It's not going to be a. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen anything to make that anywhere near true. Well, he is, Gilmore is legit. Like, I've watched both those games ah, he's yeah. playing, and he's he is legit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big fan. Well, let's finish with some real news. You ready for this? What's that? This has come from the Highlands, courtesy of Fort William. Oh yeah. Club sure. statement, magic. Following unacceptable behaviour of the Ultra Supporters group over a number of games this season, we have taken the decision to ban this group from home games. They will be able to gain entry individually if accompanied by a parent. Not an adult. It has to be their parent. I was trying to look at Well done you, this, Peter Murphy, but, which uh, is the chairman. Yeah, but it's not, uh, it's not a bit of a lol. Like, <laughs> because uh, I, I don't know the Ultras, if they're kids and they're just trying to get their parents to come along. It's meant to be like a kind of wind-up to try and get kids along. I should really have done some uh, research if I was... Maybe Kieran's done some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pro reporter, Kieran Cannon. It's just meant to be a bit of fun, isn't it? To bring along their parents to increase the gate. Because the, the Ultras, there's no Ultras at Fort William. It's meant to be a bit of a laugh. Uh, I would love it if we got like... Granny's turning up with flares at Four William. Yeah, Granny. Um, granny's behaving badly at Four William. Granny's behaving. <laughs> uh, with no more time for anything else, let's end the show and say thank you to the wonderful Kieran Canning, the wonderful JJ Bull, and to Abby as well for looking after us. Most importantly, thank you to Little Kicks for giving us this awesome music. And a reminder: get your tickets uh, for our live show because Gordon Strachan's going to be teaching us about football. It's the totallyfootballshow.com forward slash events if you want to be there. But until next time, we'll see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. 
Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's racing podcast From the Horse's Mouth. From the Horse's Mouth. From the mouth of a horse. From the mule's muzzle. From the pony's trap. From the cob's gob. You get the picture. From the Horse's Mouth. New episodes every Friday. Muddy Knees Media.